So last week, uh, David shows up, and Israel has been stalled for 40 days because of their fear of Goliath. They're at a standstill. They haven't moved. David shows up, and he hears word that there's a reward for killing the giant. And this gets him excited. And so the Bible says that word got up to King Saul about this young man who was inquiring about the reward for killing the giant. And so we're going to pick it up there at verse 32. It says this here, uh, don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. He said, I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it, and I rescue the lamb from its mouth. Now, David is him. In fact, he is that dude. Uh, I, yeah, he deserved to be king with that kind of attitude and tenacity. I have a 12-pound-year-old Cavapoo at home. And about a week and a half ago, he had my sock in his mouth. And what I didn't realize is that I think it was that day where he crossed over from puppy to teenager. And his jaw wasn't as weak as I had previous experience. So I went to take the sock out of his mouth. He's like, <laughs> I pulled my hand away and I was wounded. So when I read this text, I'm like, David is him. David is him. He, he, he takes it out of the mouth of, of lions and bears. And verse, verse 35 says this, if the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. It's the kind of king I'm talking about. We don't need no weak kings. We need strong kings. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it again to this pagan Philistine, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Finally, Saul consented. All right, go ahead. May the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor of bronze, his own armor, sorry, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things. I can't go in these. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream. And put them into his shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. That's the first time I caught that in 18 years. He fought him in a valley. I'll have to work on that for the future. Okay. That was cool. Thank you, Holy Spirit. All right, let's define giant. All right, a giant is anything that stands between me and the future that God has promised me. That's what, a giant, that's what a giant is. It's anything that seeks to stop you from advancing. It's what Goliath represents. 
And I believe that the Lord has revealed to you what your future can look like in Christ, whether you believe it or not or accept it as a whole different discussion. But God has put an aspiration and an ideal in your heart of peace, of freedom, strength, forward movement, momentum. He's put that in your heart. And what begins to happen in this life is that we face giants, right? Giants of heartache, trauma, financial setback, relational setback, uh, giants of illness and bad diagnosis. These giants come and they appear. And so the question this week, we've started every message with a question. The question this week is, um, am I willing to fight for my future? Am I willing to fight? Fighting is so very important. Because anything worth having, you got to understand something about your faith and about fort movement and moving up a mountain. Anything worth having will require a fight. It just, it will. It's going to require your hands getting dirty and uh, uh, long nights and early mornings, tears and pain, uh, people coming in and out of your life, people who want to make the climb, but they can't. People who can't make the climb. People who will make the climb. But it's, it's, it's all going to take a fight. And you have to ask yourself, am I willing? That's so good. Am I willing to fight for my future? Yeah. Right? Because it's not just going to come to you. David was anointed four years prior to this event to be king at the age of 15. David is now 19 years old. And he's a wise teenage young man. He understands at a very early age that nothing worth having is just going to come to me. And now he shows up to the battlefield and his own army doesn't even support him. His brother was already tripping last week. (laughs) Now his king is tripping this week. Right. And then he has Goliath hurling insults. But he's willing to fight. So the Hebrew word that he uses here, because the Old Testament is translated from the Hebrew language, the Hebrew word that David uses here when he says, I will fight, is this, this should change your entire paradigm about being an assassin for the things of God in your life. He says this, I will devour the giant. He's standing between me and my future. I'll devour the giant. And far too many believers don't have that type of approach. I think I'm I'm going to throw a nod at prayer later, but I think we pray way too much without any desire or awareness that we actually need to devour after we pray. Right. Lord, heal my body. But God is saying, are you are you going to work out? Are you going to eat healthier? Are you going to change your disciplines? Are you going to change your habits? Right. Are you going to devour the the giant that's on the on, on, you know, that's that's confronting you. Then he uses another word here. You can break it down, not just devour, but he says, I will overcome the giant. I will prevail. Paul said this in the New Testament, right? Because because Pastor Kyra taught on Friday that there are certain things that were said in David's day. You, you, you fast forward a thousand years later. Paul said the same thing. He didn't even know David. It's just all it all connects because it's the word of God. Paul says, fight the good fight 
of faith. It's a fight, and it is a good, someone say good. good. It is a good fight. It is a good fight. I'll be honest with you right now, like, I'm get, as I'm as I'm preaching, I'm getting great texts from leaders across the church. That overflow is someone just put fully full, like fully full, F- fully full. We love you. It's fully full. But but what about that giant and shady girl of middle school of five people being in this room? You got to fight. Because I saw the rooms full years ago. That's good. But just because I saw it, it didn't mean as soon as we touched down in Maryland, they were just going to be full. You got to fight. Someone say fight. You got you to fight. So today I want to give you three qualities of giant killers. Three qualities of, of giant killers. And today is entitled, I Must Fight. I Must Fight. Honestly, I think it's this fighting spirit that that if there is an awakening across America, I believe God will add another 200 years unto our nation. Amen. But I, I, my concern prophetically is that the spirit of Goliath is here and we're not fighting. We're not fighting. So I, I pray that whatever God does through this church would spread across the nation and, and that we would, we would fight for the things that God has promised our families and our people and our homes and our churches. So I want to give you three qualities. Someone say three qualities. Three qualities. Uh, and we're going to learn them from David. Number one, David was decisive. A giant killer is decisive. It, it says this here, back on verse 32. It says, don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. Here it is. Here's the decision. I'll go fight him. I'll I'll go devour him. I'll go prevail against him. I I remember when we we made the decision to to leave Florida. And um, but before making the decision to leave Florida, we had to know where God was was putting us. And so um, one of the things the Lord put on my heart at the top of 2015, he said, you're going to pastor the most diverse church in history. It's a big one. I know it's big. I'm, I love being selfish about my dreams. You need to be selfish about yours. Okay. And I said, okay. So that led me to a practical search. Well, where are the most diverse cities in America? Because I needed to know where he was sending us. So I searched in Silver Spring, Gaithersburg, Germantown. So I'm like, okay, got some call to the DMV. So uh, we paid a visit in, in uh, July of 2015, and uh, Jay, Jay was about six years old. It was Jay, Chris, and a good friend named Jason. And uh, we, we came up, and we, we spent about three or four days. And I'm like, I, I think I'm in the area, but I just, I can't, I can't, I can't feel it. I can't feel it. And so one day we went to Silver Spring. It was the last day there. And I said, could y'all take Jay to, to go and play in the playground? I, I need to pray. I need to pray. I need to hear from God because I, I feel like we're in the state, but Silver Spring, oh no, not, not yet. Not yet. My flesh was talking louder than my spirit. I was looking through man's eyes. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't too silver. It was spring. It was springy, it wasn't silver. Sorry, y'all. Love my Silver Spring folk. Um, you guys make up majority of the church, actually. Um, so anyway, <laughs> hold it. 
So I, I went and I prayed and um, the, the Lord said this. He said, he said, you're in the right state. He said, choose the city and I'll bless the work. What was he telling me to do? He was saying, make a decision. Because you can't stay on the line of indecisiveness, right? And, and if you're going to be a giant killer, you got to make a decision. Here it is. You have to learn to decide to fight while in prayer. Go ahead and write that down. It'll come up on the screen. Decide, learn to decide to fight while in prayer. When you're in the presence of God, you're putting a stake in the ground on your future, on your purity, on your dreams. You're committing to a work ethic. You're committing to disciplines and habits. It's while I'm on my knees and the Lord says, make this decision now. I'm going to decide now. So it was in that moment I said, okay, uh, we're going to go over to Gaithersburg tomorrow and visit it. And the Lord spoke to me atop of the track in the football field at Gaithersburg High School. And he said, this is the city. And so the very next day, we put it up on social media so that we would have accountability to the world. And we put a caption, something great is going to happen in Maryland starting next week. We made a decision while in prayer. And that's the thing. The Lord will speak to you in prayer and we'll make a soft decision. And then we start the day or we get on into our week and Goliath comes. The challenge, the issue, the problem in the marriage. It pre- I'm, I'm going to forgive. I'm going to forgive. Here comes a problem. Here comes an offense in our marriage. And God said, well, in prayer, you s- yeah. <laughs> said you would forgive. Right. But learn to make them in prayer. And we know that this is a part of David's character. When David becomes king years later, as he engages more battles, bigger battles, bigger things. Right. So you do know that when God blesses you there, they call it what? More devils, bigger devils are on the way. Bigger challenges are on the way. Right. So we know that this is a part of David's habit is to seek the Lord in prayer and to make decisions to fight while in prayer. Let's go a few years past Goliath. Goliath is dead. David has bigger fish to fry now. So here it is. This is why you got to develop a habit of prayer and hearing from God. It says this first Samuel 23, David asked the Lord, should I go and attack them? Yes, go and save Keilah. The Lord told him. Here it is again. uh, Another fight. uh, First Samuel 30. Then David asked the Lord, should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch them? And the Lord told him. Yes, go after them. You will surely recover everything that was taken from you. What did David? He had a habit of asking God, hearing from God and making his decision based on what the Holy Spirit told him to do. Not man. He had to get him out of the way because a lot of times we're afraid to confront Goliath. But my obedience has to take precedence over my fear. I was scared as heck to take my babies away from their support system, to ask people, merely strangers, to quit their job, to move 700, 500 miles away to a new state to start a church simply because I heard a voice tell me to. 
And now seven years later, this is where we are. It's because you make a decision to fight while you're in the presence of the Lord. So come on. Now y'all here make a decision to fight while you're in his presence. You don't want to get shaky. It's like, all right, I'm going to tell them, tell them they they need to know it. I ain't doing it. I ain't going to be a part of it. They need to know. All right, let's go. So you're going to be a part of it? Yeah. What the heck happened to you? I thought over here you. Anyway. Number two, David was passionate. Someone say passionate. Passionate. He was passionate. Let's I got to go back to these bears and lions. I read that a few times this week. It says in verse, verse 34, but David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. He said, when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I've done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it again to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. I need you to pick up on something in the text. Someone say the word of God. God. This is so powerful. Um, Riddle me this. Who killed the lion and the bear? Was it God or was it David? David. Don't get deep on me now. I heard somebody. (laughs) Someone said God through David. David. Uh Uh-uh. It wasn't God through David. It was David. God was with him. Watch this. Just like he's with you. But it was David who actually put his hands on the lion and the bear. It was David who actually took the club and bashed it. By God's grace, David did it. Watch this. But God at no point ever overtook David's body to defeat the lion and the bear. David had to make a decision to do it. And he had to add some fire into it. He had to have a passion for it. Let let me help you with this, Christian. God is not going to do for you what he has called and equipped you to do for yourself. And what's going to be the the difference maker in your life in the long run is whether or not you cultivate it passion or passivity. And it's essential that in this season, you you will add some fire, some passion to your relationship with the Lord, right? To your family, in your workplace, that you would put some fire into whatever God has put in your hands. Did you hear the statement, right? I took care of my father's sheep. Were they David's sheep? He was just a passionate person. He had a passion for things he didn't even own. So if you have a passion for something that belongs to somebody else, and I am the Lord, I have no problem giving you the kingdom in the future. I don't own this stuff, man. This, this ain't my business. This ain't my. 
because here's the deal. So, so why, why are thousands of men like shaking in their boots? Because they're not passionate. They, they never cultivated passion in the past for anything that mattered. Because you have passion. It's just misdirected. You have passion. But if it's not the things of God, if it's not the word of God, if it's not faith in the things that the Lord has called you to, it's misdirected. You worship. We were created to worship. We, we worship, but some of our worship is misdirected. Wow. Right? Passion is in you, but it's, it's your choice to, to love the Lord, to, to, to love your family, to have a passion for the cheese and the bread and the sheep that are in your care, and to infuse and put some fire on that stuff. You know, I'm, I'm a father of two amazing handsome young boys, right? They're, they're growing up and just my heart and my passion for them, my passion for my kids, for my boys. It's one of the main things that gets me up every morning to fight my giants, because if I don't defeat those giants, they're going to have to fight those giants and I'm going to kill those giants so that they can move forward into the things that God has for them. I'm going to devour because there's a blessing and a prosperity set aside for my kids. I can't be weak. I, I, I can't give up and I can't quit. I must fight for the future of my children and of my grandkids. I was riding the other day. I was taking the baby boy to school. And the Holy Spirit said, um, look back. And uh, I saw how long his legs are getting and his body forming. Even my teenager, his mustache is coming in right now. <laughs> um, they had us do a, a, a height test in the kitchen. The other day. My back was hurting. Y'all, I didn't feel like doing it. I'm, I'm like, all right, bro, get your butt off me, man. Okay. Who's taller? You know what I mean? He has butt off. He's standing all up. I'm like, my back hurt. I can't. Come on. Look at his shoes and his hair. He is. I'm still taller. Yeah. So, no, the Holy Spirit said, look back. I was taking Judah to school. And he said this, oh, God. He said, from now on, I need you to understand something. He said, I understand that you are raising the father of your grandchildren. It was so much, bro. I'm like, God, it's too early for this. I haven't had coffee. Wow. And it, and it helps you to have a different kind of attitude for, for someone that you're forming. And for the generational giants that mom and dad did not overcome. God bless their souls. They did their best with their faith and their experiences. But there are giants I must kill and devour because of the call of God that is on their lives. I got to kill them. And what I've come to find out is this, is that passion in my current season prepares me for the giants in my future seasons. Uh, passion today. That, that's why passion is important. That's why you put your best foot forward at work and you put your best foot forward in the home and you get your health intact and you, you move forward because there are going to be bigger giants in the future. That as you cultivate passion and fire today, 
you're going to be able to take those giants down. Number three, David was enough. David was enough. Verse 39 says this, David uh, put it on Saul's armor. He strapped a sword over it and, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these. I'm not used to them. And it says, verse 40, he picked up five stones from a stream and put them into a shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley. I'm stuck on that. To fight the Philistine. There are three implications there. He's in a valley. He got a scrap and it's a giant. For whatever reason, God doesn't mind stacking the deck against us sometimes. This is a whole different. Anyway. All right. David was enough. Someone say enough. enough. All right. David didn't need Saul's armor. And, and so what the Lord is communicating to us today is that you don't need the things you think you need or the people you think you need to overcome your giants. You need people. You need stuff. But you don't need what they think you need or at times what you think you need. And it's all because of this. It's all because David, this is so simple and profound. It's because David, just like you, if you're in Christ, David was anointed. Someone say anointed. anointed. The, the Bible says that um, when you give your heart to Jesus, God baptizes you with the Holy Spirit. So the presence of God comes to live in your heart. And so night of faith, right, Friday, Pastor Kyra preached a powerful message on understanding the power of the Holy Spirit. Many of us are raised in churches that don't teach the Holy Spirit, right? We've had unhealthy uh, experiences and, and all these things. But when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, hear me in the back, hear me, everyone. When you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, that's when you're saved. But you need clarity on the fact that you've been filled. Someone say filled. filled or anointed with the Holy Spirit. And so the reason David didn't need the people or the stuff was because God was on him and with him. And so we're going to draw back four years prior to this. This was David's salvation moment. This is when David really uh, received the Lord. We're going to go back four years prior to Goliath because he was already equipped for Goliath and he knew it. And you have to know that you're already equipped for it. It says this here. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of oil he had brought. Here it is, and anointed. Someone say anointed. Anointed David with oil. Oil in the Old Testament represents the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. So, so what does it mean to be anointed? Go ahead and write this down. It means to be filled with the spirit and the power of God. When you came to Christ, let me encourage your heart so that you don't walk out of here thinking you're lacking a thing. When you came to Christ, you received all of the fullness of God on the inside of you. And I know sometimes it doesn't feel like it, but once again, truth must begin to trump feelings. It, it, the truth of the fact that you're saved and you have the Holy Spirit and you have the power and you've been filled with the Spirit 
is what you got to begin to walk in. And this is the deal. The Lord anoints you for every single assignment and giant that you'll ever face in your life. He was anointed. Someone say, I'm anointed. Someone say, I'm anointed. I'm anointed. I'm anointed. And then, so what do I do with the anointing, Pastor? Because, okay, I, I get that. But what do I do with it? Here it is. You live a simple faith for a very long time. Someone say simple. You live a simple faith for the rest of your life. And as you walk in the simplicity of your faith, as you walk in the anointing, every giant will fall. So I fight in the anointing. Fight. He, he got five smooth stones. Five. Very simple approach that next week we're going to see is going to release supernatural results. Simple. Five smooth stones. He fought with simplicity and he got supernatural results. He fought in the simplicity of his anointing. And at the end, he became the greatest king Israel ever had because David always kept it simple. Five. Someone say five. Five smooth stones. Fight, fight, fight. How many, how many letters does fight have in it? F-I-G-H-T. Okay, fight, fight. Whoa, wow, wow. Look at y'all. Look at us. Look at us. <laughs> I didn't even study that. I came up on the spot. That's amazing. Fight. Um, Fight, fight. So the simplicity of the anointing, uh, F, faith. I'm going to walk in faith every day. It won't come up on the screen. I'm going to walk in the belief that God can do anything through my life. It's simple. Faith. Faith. Jesus said, you have faith the size of a mustard seed. You tell that mountain to go into the ocean, it'll obey you. Faith. Faith. Faith is what gets you to heaven. Faith is what draws heaven into your life. Faith. I'm going to walk in faith. I'm going to walk in integrity. I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to honor the Lord. And even when I fall, I'm going to ask for forgiveness. I'm going to get back up and I'm going to live in integrity. I'm going to do what's right. Even when no one's watching, I'm going to be integrous. David was doing what was right. Even when Jesse and Samuel and Saul were not around. He was a, he was a king in training. All right, F-I-G. Oh, gratitude. The simplicity of anointing. I'm going to be grateful. Yes, yeah, hard. Yes, yeah, tough. But I'm grateful. God is good. God is faithful. I'm going to cultivate a grateful heart, a grateful mindset, a grateful attitude. God is so good. It's beautiful today. I'm going to go to Rio, have a grateful taco, right? I'm a grateful. Um, I'm going to walk in humility. Humility. F-I-G-H. Okay. For humility. I'm going to walk in humility. I'm going to here to stay under God. I'm going to stay under There's so much power in that. I wish I could work that out. Humility. Because uh, the Bible says in due season, he will, he'll lift you up. So I'm going to stay under God. Not that, not that I don't matter or I don't mean, but no, God is everything. And I'm not all that in a bag of potato chips, right? I'm going I'm to I'm walk under God because in due time, I will become king. And Goliath will fall. And then T, F-I-G-G, tenacity. I'm going to fight. Every morning, even, I'm going to wake up with some kind of intentionality. I'm going to kill my giants. And I'm going to watch God move in my life. You, you, you're, you're enough. You're more than enough. Remember last week, you're loved, you're blessed, you're chosen. You have a future. Add this one to it. You're anointed. If you're in Christ, 
You don't need anything else but the Spirit of God. If you've been blessed by the Word of God, let's put our hands together. You are enough.